Welcome to the Radio Plasma Podcast, a space dedicated to the exchange of ideas, conversations, stories, music, performances, and randomness. Listen at radioplasma.com. Also, we are available on iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher. I'm your producer and host, Johan Rashi Vega. Today we have a very special guest. Today we have a nice opportunity to know and discover so many things about culture, about ethnicities, about diversity, about things that you have to stay and listen to find out what it's all about. Today we have La Loba Loca as our guest in the Plasma Media Lab. And well, welcome. Welcome. Hello, welcome. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, this is a, this is like the second time I'm in a radio show, so I'm like, welcome. No, thank you so much for having me. <laughs> so, reading it from your website, uh -huh. let me do that introduction. I believe it, it is a perfect way to summarize what is going to be this all about. <laughs> La Loba Loca is a queer, machona, South American migrant, crafter, artist, researcher, writer, body power tattooist, full spectrum companion, midwife student, seed saver gardener and lifelong student. She has facilitated knowledge shares and learned from several abuelitas, that's grandmothers, tias, aunts, plants, communities, lands, and institutions. La Loba Loca is invested on disseminating information with the hope that self-knowledge and recognition of abuelita knowledge will create a future where we can depend on ourselves and communities. La Loba Loca's core philosophy is based on reclaiming and remembering abuelita knowledge and learning how to use our roots as a tool for liberation and transformation. So you have the knowledge and wisdom from our ancestors. I think we all do. That's like the whole, that's the, I guess, one of the things that I try to bring up in a lot of the knowledges that I do is like we all actually have a lot of like wisdom even in our own bodies like even if we've never been to like a talk or even if we've never been taught you know even if like a grandma was never like oh we're making chamomile tea for this and this and that you know like it's just something that is like you know innate to us even 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 if we haven't like grown around our own families I think there is like a lot of memory like cellular memory or memory that we carry like in our bones or even just like intuition in our gut so I think it's At least for me, you know, when it comes to, like, the centering, like, the, the way that we've been taught about education and knowledge and, like, knowledge creation and knowledge documentation, like, the core of it is that we all have knowledge in one way or another. And it is amazing how do you uh, put it, meaning, like, abuelita's knowledge, because those two words are so powerful and so meaningful because it connects, like you said, mm -hmm. with everything that is us, mm -hmm. family, traditions, costumes origins. Mm -hmm. So let's talk a little bit about that, about origins. Mm -hmm. You are living here in the United States. Uh, you are visiting the city of Holyoke and the Pioneer Valley because of an activity that is going to take place in a few hours after this recording session is finished. But tell us a little bit about you and mm -hmm. where you're coming from. So I'm originally from Arequipa, Peru, which is like southern coastal Peru. Like the place that I'm from is called Arequipa, and it's kind of like very dry. It's kind of like a valley. Um, it's also very desert feeling. Um, there's like these three big mountains or volcanoes. So in like uh, in like a lot of like Andean, like traditional medicine or traditional practices, we talk about apus or like pretty much like the the spirits, like the protective spirits that live in mountains. So there's like three really big ones uh, where I'm from. 
Um, and that's where I'm from. But I like to talk about the mountains because that's the first thing that comes up when I talk about it. It's like the mountains. Um, and then when I was four, I moved to Santiago, Chile. And then when I was around 19, I moved to the Bay Area. So I went to school in UC Berkeley. And then now I live in like occupied Tombalan on what's considered Los Angeles. How is it for you coming from South America, from traditions and a place so rich in culture and legacy and history, and then adapting to a totally different environment and world like it is the United States and more particular California? <laughs> well, I grew up in Santiago, Chile, which is, it's very neoliberal. There's, it's not, I mean, I don't want to say that all oh, Santiago, Chile is like that, but it's like not like, for example, Arequipa, you know, and also I grew up, when I, when I grew up in Santiago, like, the only family members that I had there was my mom and my dad. Um, so it wasn't necessarily that big of a culture shock, per se, just because Santiago is, like, pretty, like, neoliberal, and unfortunately, like, many other big cities in Latin America, you know, it's, like, a lot of the culture has been, like, stripped out. Um, so I think that the biggest shock that I had was moving from Arequipa <laughs> to Santiago, Chile, um, just because of, like, culture and family. Um, but I think that, I don't know, I mean, it's been interesting. I didn't really, I think that when I when I moved to um, the Bay Area, I was just trying to escape my family. I was just like, oh, I can't take my family anymore. So I was very excited to be in a new space. Um, but, yeah, no, I think I just, I got lucky in that sense of, like, not really. I think I've just started recently, like, after what? seven or eight years to actually process <laughs> the fact that I moved from like one side of the world to the other. Um, but yeah, it's been good. Most of the people that I work with here in the U.S., I feel like I find a lot of home in the people that I work with here in the U.S. just because like a lot of my friends and like the people that, you know, I even like I meet in travels, you know, or like in talks are, they you know, they feel like my friends and like family here in the U.S., but also like outside. So I think that the idea of like finding home everywhere, you know, or like, you know, even sometimes I even feel more home with people that are like invested on like doing, you know, like liberation work and like doing like organizing and doing all this really cool stuff uh, outside of even my hometown, that in my actual hometown, right? Because I think there is that, the idea of like, you know, just working for the same thing that, um, that at least makes me feel like home. So, And I believe that is uh, one common ground for many immigrants uh, in the United States. It is the opportunity to reconnect or connect completely mm -hmm. with your roots, with your origins, with your country, with your traditions, with your people, and start networking and making this grow mm -hmm. wherever you are because that's what makes home have a meaning. Mm -hmm. So what is the work that you have been doing once you, you are established in the United States? So I came here and I went to school and like my thesis was on like the first realization of Quechua women during the Fujimori, uh, Fujimori, what's it called? The democratically elected dictatorship. <laughs> and uh, so that was kind of like, <laughs> so that was kind of like, um, you know, what I, came here to do initially and then once I graduated and once I finished that I was like oh how do I make this knowledge more practical and then like I started to like understand like in the ways in which like I had internalized 
all these ideas of academia being like the way where you get your knowledge from and like you know holding like academic knowledge is something more important and like I started you know just remembering things uh, even just like conversations that I had with women in my family where I totally devalued their knowledge and their their word and their experience you know so like even you know me having like tummy aches and my grandma being like oh you know let's just get some anise tea or something and me being like what do you know that's not gonna do anything what do you don't what do you know grandma like you don't know anything you know what I mean just like all those all that stuff that you just internalize that is like so horrible and patriarchal <laughs> so um I think like after graduating from college like understanding how like all this knowledge that I had thought was important like the knowledge that was given by professors or whatever like I was like I actually didn't learn anything in school like <laughs> I didn't really learn anything and the only thing that I learned is like the importance of valuing like knowledge that comes from like my own family and especially women you know and like in the ways in which like history like historically knowledge and like knowledge but also like What's it called when somebody believes you? Credibility. Credibility. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, knowledge and credibility like have a huge like like history that it's like pretty much based on like patriarchy and colonization and white supremacy. So just like understanding like how much knowledge is in like like in other places besides the academia, right? So then I started writing about like Abuelita knowledge and I wrote an article and that one, you know, I got a lot of, I got some hate mail because it was like very much like about, you know, like how white supremacy and like how white people kind of like take on um, like traditional practices and package it in a new way and sell it as like the new thing to do. You know what I mean? When like people have been doing that forever, pretty much Columbusing, you know what I mean? Uh, so... That's kind of when I started to be like, oh, you know, like people really want to hear about this. People really want to like learn more about this. So I started like doing gardening work, which to me also ties me a lot to like my family. So that's like the other way to that I create home. I think that uh, plants in general, you know, and just growing um, since like I started having my own garden. Like I think I started like what five years ago. Like I always carry some seeds with me, you know. So that's kind of like what keeps me grounded. And I think that the work that I've been doing has been, like, pretty much, like, all over. <laughs> you know, but it's, like, to me, it's not all over. You know I mean? To me, everything kind of ties down to, like, autonomy and, like, abuelita knowledge and, like, destroying patriarchy. <laughs> That's kind of, like, the core, <laughs> the core of it. And, like, you know, autonomy, you know, just, like, learning how to, like, take care of myself and, like, how to share that with other people, how to take care of my friends. So. And now what you mentioned, gardening and plants is the the main core right now for uh, the activity that uh, brings you here visiting mm -hmm. Holyoke and visiting the Pioneer Valley because you're going to have a lecture at the Smith College mm -hmm. about uh, growing in confined space. Mm -hmm. What the audience can expect from this event? Mm -hmm. So I think that I'm going to be talking about um, Medicina Feminista which or like feminist medicine, which is a concept that has been kind of coming up a lot with like conversations with friends that do similar work that I do in like Latin America or like what is what what we've been calling Avia Yala to kind of like you know not call it Latin America which is like an imposed name um by calling Avia, Avia Yala which was you know a name that was chosen by people from the territory um and like you know Medicina Feminista is kind of what I've been talking about for the past couple of months like it's been constantly coming up um 
when I talk about medicina feminista, I talk about Wellita knowledge. I talk about like all the even like what is medicine, you know, what is the creation of medicine, like who who does medicine, like what medicine is considered credible, what medicine is considered important, uh, what medicine is considered only alternative medicine or complementary medicine, you know, medicina um, complementaria. I don't know how to, is that complementary yes. medicine? Complementary, yeah. yeah, complementary, yeah, complementary medicine. So, um, you know, just kind of like breaking down all this idea of like what medicine is, like who gets to share it, in what spaces does it get shared. Um, and Medicina Feminista has the word feminista on it because, you know, I think that, you know, a lot of people, even like here, especially here in the U.S., like when they hear about like feminism, they just think about white women. But <laughs> uh, that's not the case at all, you know. So there's like a lot of, um, because I come from like Latin America and my work gets like heavily inspired um, by uh, like my friends and by folks that do work in Latin America and like because I go there too and I do workshops and I like share with folks and because like the knowledge that I share sometimes comes from like you know just like family knowledge that is from the territory um, femi like fe lo los feminismos are like and the amount of like theory creation around feminism in Latin America is ridiculously amazing like there's so many types of feminisms like El leso feminismo, there is feminismo radical, feminismo autonomo. There's like so many different types of like feminismo vegano, leso feminista. There's like so many of feminista gordo, antipatriarca, you know, like there's so many different, <laughs> so many different like different theories are coming from people, not institutions, you know, not even like people that are writing books in the academia, just straight up people that are creating theory. Um, so, the Medicina Feminista, the idea behind it, uh, at least for me, it grounds itself on the definition that Feminismo Comunitario uh, has around, you know, like, feminism. So Feminismo Comunitario starts in Bolivia um, by indigenous Aymara women and, you know, a good amount of them being lesbianas. Um, and the whole, I mean, the way that they, you know, they I mean, I guess there's a lot to talk about about that specifically because there's been, like, ruptures around, like, Feminismo Comunitario, and there's, like, people that work with the government, like, with Evo Morales government, and there's, like, a lot of talk about, you know, how good Feminismo Comunitario is. But at least for me, like, it's been, um, it's been, like, an interesting definition of feminism. The way that uh, I understand it is that for Feminismo Comunitario, Feminism happen in any territory in the in any territory at any space uh, at any 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 time in like human history in which women have stunted against uh, patriarchy uh, and like for me it's you know it's women but it's also femmes and it's also like people that are outside the gender binary imposed by the white colonizers right so um when like we have a standard against patriarchy uh at any point in time meaning that it was before the first wave feminism like thousands of years ago or in, in any in any space right it could have been like whatever in like europe or like all the white women like marching for like voting rights or whatever uh or it could have been way before that you know what i mean like with like anacaona or like you know like all this all those women and all those people that have been like outside of like the gender binary that have been like fighting for liberation for 
ever, 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 right? So that's kind of my definition of like feminismo, like at any point in any time in which, uh, which is based on feminismo comunitario, in which like femmes, women, and other people that are like outside of the gender binary and like do not um, subscribe to like patriarchy have like fought actively or reacted or created something in like, you know, in reaction or like in resistance to patriarchy. So that's why Mencina Feminista is like such an important topic in my work. Recognizing the role of women in society as important and as relevant as the foundation of society itself. Mm -hmm. That's basically the whole point of this. Not that battle or struggle, who is better, who is stronger as the patriarchy or the established society currently try to always mm -hmm. put in perspective. And also when you mentioned the medicine, when you just got me thinking, when we talk about the mother medicine, Yes, we have a lot of technology and advancement, but everything comes from yeah. these old traditions. Mm -hmm. Everything comes plants. from this knowledge, <laughs> from this ancient <laughs> yeah. knowledge about plants and the contact with uh -huh. nature and certain things that only through generations uh -huh. are passed on. And mm -hmm. thanks to that is the reason that we have now all the advances in technology and, and mm -hmm. in modern medicine. So it is just absurd to think Those are two separated fields. Right. It is just the evolution and the traditional medicine. I will never dare to call it alternative. It, it's the it's foundation not. of everything. It's the foundation. And for some of us, or maybe all of us, especially now when there's like lack of healthcare, is the primary medicine <laughs> that we use. And I think, I mean, from my own opinion, that should be the primary medicine for everybody because a lot of like what traditional medicine, like traditional knowledge or even like Abuelita knowledge teaches us is prevention. <laughs> like to start with that, which that's the thing I think what's wrong with the healthcare system, but also by the way that we talk about health is that we never talk about prevention. You know, it's always like, what do we do once we're already there? But at the same time, you know, like understanding that there is like systems of oppression that keep specific people sick you know for specific reasons right so like for example like you know food deserts you know like black and brown communities and indigenous communities living in places in which there is no healthy food available uh, or like you know people indigenous people living like in their own land in which like water is completely polluted and there's like no access to mental health services you know so there's like so much systemic stuff that is like set up to keep specific people dying you know so but i think that you know at least like For me, like what alternative, me like <laughs> alternative medicine, what like traditional medicine uh, means is like using that in your daily life, you know? Because even like when we're growing up, it's like your aunt comes to you and it's like, I'm going to teach you how to do an infusion. You know what I mean? It never happens like that. It's, it's just weaved in your daily life. So you grew up knowing what chamomile is for. You know, it's like weaved in your normal daily life, so it's not separated from it. And I think that's like kind of the gift of traditional medicine is that it's not like, this is herbalism and this is massage work and this is like acupressure. No, it's actually just like so embedded in like your daily life that it becomes uh, like, you know, just care that you do every day, you know, like preventative care without even calling it preventative care. Um, so yeah. You being here uh, for this talk at Smith definitely is a perfect way to start a long conversation about culture, about this tradition, this knowledge, but also I believe it's a great opportunity and I'm really grateful that you are taking this time uh, to be here with us here in Holyoke because 
knowing that we have one of the biggest Puerto Rican communities in, mm -hmm. in the United States outside Puerto Rico, there is a lot of Abuelita knowledge as well yes. infused into the culture. And mm -hmm. also we have a great organization locally, Nuestras Raices, who works on promoting healthy food culture mm -hmm. and, and for people to know about how to cultivate and how to grow their own food and mm -hmm. how to be healthy and how to take those prevention measures mm -hmm. in order to have a healthy life. Mm -hmm. So I'm really excited about this opportunity to start mm -hmm. these conversations because I know even though it is right now a really quick contact, it will start a nice conversation to keep uh, yeah. going on, especially uh, because all your experience and I'm wondering and that that will be the next question. What do you think you could take away with you after this visit? Here in Holyoke or here in <laughs> Yeah, here in Holyoke, here in the Pioneer Valley uh -huh. in general. So I think that um so Iris Morales, I went to her talk uh yesterday and I mean I've always said this but it just it really it just excites me when I hear other people say it. Um, she was talking about the importance of documenting. And I think that, you know, that's, and, and then I was talking to with, with Maurice, who's the other person that's presenting with me. And then he's like, yeah, you know, documenting is important because otherwise you disappear if you don't, you know? And then I'm like, yeah, that's exactly why, you know, I like to write zines and I like to do knowledge shares and I write to kind of like take notes and like talk to like my grandmas and like have them tell me about their lives and talk to, especially, you know, talking to older women, which It's unfortunate, but I feel like a lot of us, because of the way patriarchy works, like the most we talk to them is like, hey, what are you going to cook for today? Oh, you know, you cook so well. But it's like, I mean, in cooking is healing and medicine and amazing and carries history and carries tradition. But there is way more out there <laughs> that you can talk with your grandma, like talk to her about how she feels about abortion. You know, like that's what I do when I talk to my grandmas, because like I think there is like this idea that they don't have like they don't got like enough brains to like talk to you and like, you know, stand their ground. Like, I feel like it's important to start those conversations. So when Iris Morales was talking about like documenting, I was like, yeah, and it has to be documented, especially, you know, like if, you know, she, like her whole book, it's about like women and the revolution and the young lords. So I'm like, yeah, it's great that you're doing that work and talking to other women because women are soft and silenced. So, you know, so I think that it's like, very powerful and that's, I mean, it's like a takeaway slash like, something really awesome that I heard yesterday, like that I tell myself and I talk about, but I haven't, I barely ever hear it, you know? So it was really powerful to hear like an older, like dopest woman be like, it's important to document and have her with her book. You know what I mean? Just be like, yeah, like this has to be happening. Like we have to be documenting each other and like talking about this and like making sure that we're not extinct, you know? And not, not because like, I don't care about like, academia or like you know the next white kid writing a thesis knowing about me like that's not why I want stuff documented I want stuff documented so people like us can the next generation can like find a zine somewhere or find like the recording of a podcast or find whatever like work you did and be like oh I can see myself in them like this is not Like, what I'm thinking is not something new. Like, this idea of, like, liberation and freedom is not something new. It's, like, it's been happening for the longest. And it's been, like, conjuring for, like, a long time, you know. It's, like, not new. So that's why I think that, you know, like, documenting is, yeah. What it is Marada said was, I'm taking away with me, yeah. That sounds like a great experience. And this is, this is what's all about, to exchange that knowledge and those experiences. That's what makes us grow as a community. For people who are interested about your work and all the different activities you do, you do so many things. 
how can people get in touch with you? <laughs> so I have a lot of uh, social media stuff. So my main page is lalovaloca.com. <laughs> I have an Instagram page which gets updated pretty, like, you know, pretty much all the time. And it's like at lalovalocashares. Uh, then I have a Facebook page called lalovaloca. <laughs> uh, I have like lalovaloca.bigcartel.com, which is like an online store. Um, and I have a lot of like online uh, knowledge shares, online workshops that I have for people that want to access some of this knowledge that I've been talking about also in my online store. But you can also contact me to uh, contact at lalovaloca.com. And I do talks in communities, but also in like universities. I travel around and stuff. So, And of course, we always, when you listen to this post on our website, radioplasma.com, you will be able to click on the links and get access to all the points of contact and communication with La Loba Loca. Mm -hmm. Anything else you would like to add? I think just talk to your grandmas, <laughs> you know, and talk to your aunts and like get all the information that you can, write it down, or if you're not into writing it down, just remember it and practice it. And there's so much knowledge that I think is getting lost because we're just not we're just not being very mindful about, you know, our time. So just being mindful of what you do. Um, and like asking your grandmas and like making sure that knowledge is not lost, you know, that's like, is resistant knowledge at the end of the day. Like a lot of that knowledge, I don't think that we see like the importance of it, but like is resistant knowledge. Like it's knowledge that has resisted colonization, assimilation, white supremacy, like self-hate. There's like so much knowledge that like if it's not, if we're not, if we don't, you know, look for it, if we don't like ask for it, it's just going to get lost. I mean, you know, I don't, I, I think that some of it stays with us, but I think it's easier when you have a grandma and an aunt that you can just like ask, you know, and also just creating conversation with like women in your family, older women in your family, besides like, what are you going to cook today? You know what I mean? Like actually like engaging in conversation and like, you know, talking about important shit with them. Well, thank you so much for all this information. Thank you for being here, for making this time. Thank and I know now you are running to Smith to do your your presentation and your mm -hmm. lecture. And I hope you enjoy your thank time you. here with us in New England. And you're always welcome. Awesome, thank you. <laughs> thank you. Well, this is all the time we have today with La Loa Loca in this edition of the Radio Plasma podcast. Also, I want to thank Natalie Vicencio to make possible this interaction that happened as an impromptu, which is the best way for things to happen. <laughs> and this edition was produced at the Plasma Media Lab at the Gandara Youth Development Center in Holyoke, Massachusetts. I'm your producer and host, Johan Rashivega. Thank you for listening. <laughs>